Uh, G'day everyone, thanks for joining me on the CX Central podcast. My name is Justin Tippett. Now, as you know, I get to talk to some fantastic people across the world, but one of the regular people that I talk to uh, who is on the show a lot is because we have some fantastic conversations and there's a guy who knows pretty much everything that needs to be known about contact centres and CX is, of course, the wonderful Mr. Daniel Ord. Welcome, Daniel. Hello, Justin. Nice to see you again. Always. Long time no see. I know, right? It's, uh, <laughs> we, we talk a lot, but uh, not always with listeners. So uh, it's great to have you back on the uh, on the show. So if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for tuning in to the CX Central podcast. Of course, this is also available as a video now. So you'll find it on our YouTube channel on CX Central or anywhere on the CX Central website as well. Now, Daniel, today we're going to talk about one of the topics that we've, we've touched on in the past, and it's something that we run courses on, and that is all about customer experience or CX. Um, now, we have been running a course for a while now. It's our CX uh, Fundamentals program. It's a, a four-day course, effectively, and it helps people prepare for the CCXP certification if they want to do that or if they just want to learn more about uh, CX in general. But we've also got a new course coming out, our Intro to CX, um, because we realise that four days is a big commitment for a lot of people and they don't need all that stuff. So I want to throw to you because what we want to do and share it on this podcast is that all the learnings, I guess, that we're, we're, we're seeing and hearing in CX. And I want to start digging into those courses because by running the courses, we get great insight, right? So... What do you reckon, Daniel? What do you think some of the biggest learnings that we've got to maybe that what surprised you or maybe it didn't surprise you out of running all these courses over the last sort of 12 months or so? Well, it's, it's a great question, Justin. I think you kind of answered it earlier when you said all that stuff because <laughs> I, I think what people forget about CX or may not know about CX is it's really a collection of disciplines. It's a collection of sets of expertise. And, and the way I think of it is, I think of it like a circus tent. So if you went into an old fashioned circus over here, you'd see the, the lion tamer and the ring. And over here, you'd see the clowns riding around. And maybe over here is a fortune teller telling fortunes. And then you have all the different oddities and people with different talents. And I think of that big circus tent as CX. And then under the, the big top, you have all these different specialties. So you've got, I mean, voice of customer alone is a significant or requires a significant set of know-how. NPS, for example, if you're an NPS purpose person, um, analytics, uh, the uh, culture, employee relations, all this. And Justin, I think recently you wrote a LinkedIn post on this exact topic, which is, my goodness, do you mind sharing? I mean, again, I'm turning the, the tables back to you. But <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, look, I was just making a comment. I think, you know, as, and as we'll talk about in this podcast, CX is such a broad area. And what you tend to find, or I see on LinkedIn a lot, is you get CX specialists or experts that they talk about the lane that they understand. So you see a lot of stuff saying, it's all about voice to the customer. If you don't do voice to the customer, you won't know anything. Or you see analytics companies going, if you're not running after call surveys or you're not doing this stuff, you don't know anything. You know, and so you see everyone pushing pushing their barrow around what they understand. But as you know, and one of the things I love about that course that, that, that we run is that the reality is CX is so much more complex than just looking at any one discipline. Yeah, and I think when you're a professional CX person, and there are professionals that do this, you end up managing a set of, of expertise areas. You don't, a bit like a contact center, you're managing a contact center, but that doesn't mean you have to be an expert in training or an expert in IT 
are an expert in, let's say, quality assurance, but you have to know enough to be able to lead people, take them in the right direction, you know, execute a smart strategy. I think with CS, it's CX, it's exactly the same thing. So, so to recap that, one of the big learnings people are telling us they get from our kind of our management CX classes, wow, I didn't realize there was such a breadth of requirements to bring this into play. Now, of course, they connect in some way. We don't want to imply that they're all completely standalone, but the know-how that it takes is a bit standalone. What I look for in an experienced designer is going to be very different than what I look for for someone that's trying to change culture. So, Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I want to ask you a question, and I know this has been discussed, and I know there's a lot of different opinions on it, but the definition of CX, what's yours? Well, okay. My, I'm going to tell you the one that, that everyone uses, which I support, which is, you know, it's the perception the customer has of all their interactions with your organization. I always call that looking at CX from outer space and planet Earth as CX. And, and it's fun to use that definition and it sets the stage. I have been using, and the one that resonates with me the most recently is CX is thoughtfulness made visible. So I want to show my customers how thoughtful I am, how I'm aware of what they're about to go through, will go through, have gone through. And so to me, CX is about bringing those actions to life that make that thoughtfulness visible. I don't know why, but I've really been responding to that definition. I'm not replacing the the classic one, but I think I'm adding to it a little bit more. Yeah, no, I've heard you use that several times, so it's stuck in my head now. Thanks very much. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but for those that are new to CX, if you're listening to this podcast, Daniel, and when we say that, you know, I guess I want to try to explain to people the difference between customer service and customer experience because you've just given us a definition of CX and it's all the touch points and all this sort of stuff. So how does that differ for people that are, that are new to this to customer service or are they the same thing? Well, the first thing I'll say is um, CX is not customer service on steroids. Some people use the CX term or customer experience in the context that it's some super nitrogen-powered form of customer service. And I love customer service. We all love customer service. But at the end of the day, um, when you're talking about customer service in an organizational context, it's a function. We have a customer service department. The department has a VP of customer service. He or she is in charge of all the retail outlets, the, the live chat, the contact centers, the calls, that kind. They have a set of responsibilities to deliver great customer service to people. But customer service sits alongside the marketing department, the engineering department, the legal department, the HR department. So the playing field for customer service is very focused to customer service, whereas you can see the playing field for customer experience is the entire organization and all the partners and employees and so on uh, that contribute to that entire organizational ecosystem. So the playing field is different. You can't use the terms interchangeably because when I hear CX, I instantly am thinking organization-wide, whereas when I hear CS, I'm thinking very much of the customer service department or function. Now, Justin, can I add one comment to that? Customer service as a mindset is useful for everybody. So that is clear. We're not saying only customer service people need a customer service mindset. Obviously, when we're talking about culture, we're trying to, to build this service mindset across everybody. But when you're talking about customer service in organizational terms, it's one function. By the way, in some companies, 
the, the customer may never come in contact with customer service. They may never need customer service. Nothing breaks down, nothing is unclear. They don't use it at all. So even though we have a customer service department, there's never a guarantee that all customers will use it in all cases. I think um, Jeff Bethos from Amazon was famous for saying the best service is uh, no service, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people have a, a bit of a deep breath when they hear that one. And again, you always have to contextualize these quotes, but I love that one. The best customer service is no customer service. Or what some people like to say is kind of a, another flavor of what you said is, Customer service is what happens when customer experience breaks down. So why did the customer not understand our terms and conditions? Why were they unable to read about the ingredients on the label of the cereal box? Maybe we need to fix the communication on the cereal box to reduce the number of questions or complaints we're getting about the stuff on the cereal box. So I wanted to, I'm going to get a little bit controversial, Daniel, because everything that you said makes sense. Um, you know, all those examples you just said, if we fix the instructions on the cereal box or whatever it might be, they're going to stop people calling into the organisation. We don't need a bigger customer service department. Our customers are going to be happier. Uh, it's going to cost less. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of benefits for getting CX right. Yet here we are talking about, and there's, not just us, everyone is talking about the benefits of CX and why people should do it, but we're still talking about it. And I don't know if a lot's actually cutting through. So what do you think is, is actually behind that? In terms of CX not kind of coming to life as much as we think it should? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. live, we live and breathe in the space, right? So, of course, we're, we're, we're very yep. aware, hyper aware of things that are happening and initiatives that are happening in the industry and companies are doing well. We have our own experiences about companies that aren't doing so well. But as a collective, it just seems to be that you know, at a CEO level where we really need them to be embracing CX and, and driving that change to their organisation, they don't seem to be warming to it. It just seems to be that real gap. Yeah, and I, and I think if you were to listen to anyone talk on that particular question, you're going to hear, I presume, different flavors of the same answers I'm about to give you. I, I think the first one, the first answer is CX by nature is longer term. And, but many organizations, you know, when you're, especially when you're looking at financial performance, that tends to be shorter term. So you have a bit of tension between, oh, the kind of investment and, and energy and effort and resources we need to make for long-term benefits, which is where CX is, it plays out, versus oh, what can we do with right now to improve profit for next quarter or sales for next quarter. So let's be honest, many organizations are going to be very tied to more short-term thinking. Actually, I think that's one of the reasons this whole balance scorecard um, discussion is out there to try and value both the short term and the long term. I think the other side of the coin is, as a profession, I don't think we've done it enough to demonstrate the business case for CX. There's, there's a lot of discussion on the morality of CX, which I'd rather stay away from. We have to do it because it's good for employees and good for people. And that all sounds really great. But at the end of the day, when you're running an organization and you want to succeed into the future, there has to be some tangible benefit to you, whether that benefit is increased revenues, decreased costs, you know, referrals, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as an industry, the CX industry, we've not been really good at going into the boardrooms, and I always say boardrooms here and CEOs, and explaining how CX is gonna make the company stronger, healthier, better, not just from a moral standpoint, but from a 
let's be honest, a financial standpoint. And you know my background, I was an accountant and I went straight from finance into the, the conduct center industry. And I am so grateful for that because for me, it feels very natural to look at things and like, well, what's the payback gonna be? And, and let me say something that I said recently to a client, that, a private client that took our CX management class. They said, we're not quite sure how to, how to get this party started. You know, we, we've got the mandate to do it, but we're not sure how to get the party started. And I said, start small, small is beautiful. You know, there are some absolutely some quick wins where you can go out and reduce contacts into your contact center or reduce the amount of effort it takes someone to sign up for your online portal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Build some metrics around that. Build a relationship with the owner of that portal, the owner of the contact center. Help them make some improvements. Spend your first year on Small is Beautiful so that you have some real case studies to show people that this is what we've achieved and this is what we've done. Now, I admit, I just said CX is long term. I'm not contradicting myself here. But in order to win influence and get this thing going, you're going to have to have some short term wins. And they wrote to me. It was I met them a year ago and they have written to me and said the Small, small is Beautiful strategy is working for them. And they're also using it to build relationship with other departments. It's hard work, Justin. I, I really, I think even a CX person with all the certifications and years of experience, we were talking about this. If they go into an organization as the new CX head, because remember, we're asking our CEOs to create a whole new department and put resources, effort, and time around it, and even give these folks some, I don't want to use the word power, but some influence over these other existing departments. That's that's a big pill to swallow for a lot of people. It might be easier just to let things run as they are. Our individual touch points are doing well enough. Why do we need to bring in some level of oversight? Because that's how I look at CX. There's a level of oversight and then insights that come from having that oversight. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I, I think, to, to be honest, a lot of CX uh, at that level just falls into the too hard basket because it goes, where do I start? The reality is yeah. that there aren't that many CX experts that are that are experts in all of the different domains. And we know that the CCXP or so CXPA uh, have six defined domains around CX. Now, the reality is there's experts that exist and have existed for 20, 30 years in each one of those domains. So I think it's unrealistic to say I can just go and hire one individual who's going to have 30 years experience in, in all six domains unless they're 180 years old. And last time I checked, that's that's pretty good going if you are. <laughs> so so it's hard. And to, and to use that analogy in contact centres, Daniel, it's like going and getting a fantastic contact centre manager. We both come from that background. But would I call myself a workforce planning expert? God, no. You know, I know people that have been workforce planners for 30 years. I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not an expert. And I think the same applies in CX. So the challenge you've got if you are the CEO, even if you believe, if you're a believer and you go, this CX stuff is the future, I'm going to go and hire a CX person. The reality is it, it's just not that simple, is it? No, and, and, and I mean, people talk a lot about VOC. I talk a lot about VOC, being short for voice of customer. And I think... One of the most important things your CX team can do for you is they start to bring the voice of customer into the equation, into the discussion. It's kind of like taking Windex on that smeared window, spraying it, wiping it with that paper towel. And, oh my gosh, 
That's the view out my window. So I think in my own experience, one of the biggest barriers to, to organizations moving forward in CX is they just don't have a very clear lens on what their customers are thinking and feeling and want. And there's a lot of fear around it, not just fear of I'm going to hear bad news because you are. That's that's a fair fear. But it's fear of gosh, Dan, don't I have to know all this qualitative stuff and quantitative stuff? Yeah, to some degree, but you, small is beautiful. Get Stop sitting around and worrying about, oh, well, our statistical level of confidence has to be 95%. Go and talk to some customers. I mean, what? one of my most popular last Well, Justin, <laughs> I made a post last year on LinkedIn. Here we are, LinkedIn again, um, on why doesn't a contact center manager invite in two or three customers a month and put them around a lunch table and give them coffee and talk to them? The shock that I got was, you mean bring in real people and ask them real questions, but don't we have to be super scientific about it? And I think this barrier of this super scientific, of course there are practices around VOC. Don't get me wrong, they're learnable. But this fear of talking to people, it's just, it's incredible to me. Yeah, so so let's assume that we we fast forward and we get a CX person or team of CX yeah. people and we start getting we listen to our customers and we get data. I think there is enough research now that shows that there is a, a benefit to the bottom line in doing that, and, and we've seen that through either you know high retention rates, um, you know some I'm trying to think of some of the other metrics at the top of my head, but start even employee engagement levels go up, you name it, all things that help the bottom line. So we know that it, from a cost perspective, it's a winner. We know that since the dawn of time, if you look after your customers, it's going to be better for your business, no matter what business you're in, right? Um, so uh, I guess what, what I'm trying to say, we know all this stuff already, and why the hell is it still not working? And we've realised now it is very complex. It is very complex. You can't just go and hire a CX person and think all your problems are going to be gone. You can't go and engage an organisation uh, and potentially think all your problems are going to be gone as well because – even if you get the data, you've still got to be prepared to listen to it. And I think asking your customers is one thing, but listening and taking action against that feedback is often where it breaks down, Daniel. And I know we've both seen examples um, where companies do all these fantastic surveys and get all this amazing data from customers, then do absolutely nothing with it. Yeah, yeah which is a sign of the culture in that organization. And you're right to say a CX person alone in place isn't necessarily going to be able to overcome that, but that would be part of their job. If, you're, if I were to be brought in as a CX head somewhere, part of my job is to overcome the resistance to VOC, to start using VOC, to tell stories, to explain why we need to do what we need to do. Funny enough, I think one of the most I tend to take all the CX stuff and try and put it into normal a normal sentence. And I look at it this way. Doesn't it make sense that if we do more of the things customers like and less of the things they don't, that business will be better? <laughs> I mean, it just intuitively makes sense to me. More of the things they like. So what are those? Let's go find out. Less of the things they don't. Uh-huh. And then life will get better. Now, of course, you have to prioritize. None of us has endless time or money or resources. That's what I like a lot about the science of CX, or if you prefer the math of CX, which is you do begin to learn where to prioritize your efforts. You know, everyone says a complaint is a gift, and I agree, I'd rather hear it than not, but not every complaint has equal value, does it? Mm. I mean, one of my examples is, do you think Louis Vuitton really cares about complaints on the price of their handbags? 
Oh, your handbags are too expensive. Do you really think they all sit around their table? Oh no, what are we gonna do? Let's cut the price of LV handbags in half. No. So, so again, what you learn in CX is how to prioritize what kind of feedback for what kind of customers. And, and I love that analytical part of it. Maybe that's my finance background speaking out loud again, but there is some science to it. There's two things that have resonated with me in this, this podcast that I bet you when people started listing Daniel is one, they never thought we were gonna use a handbag example. So we've ticked that box. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And the other one is that we've actually discovered that there is an accountant with personality if you've never met Daniel before. So they do exist in the world. People can do numbers and have a personality. So um, now, Daniel, um, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. But if people are sort of wondering, hey, what you keep crapping on about these courses, it'd be reminiscent of us uh, not to plug our courses. So we do have uh, two courses um, around CX. So we have our uh, introduction to CX, um, man- oh, sorry, new course introduction to CX it is really just a uh, how many days two day call eight hours so two four hour sessions nice and easy to fit into your day and it's designed to teach you about all the different parts of CX so you get an awareness is that a is it a good summation Dan have I sold that well yeah and you know I, I thought about it and here's how I, I say it now okay so you have a CX team you have maybe one to five eight people in the team but your company has 2,000 employees, 10,000 employees. So the concept here is if you want your CX ambitions to work, you're going to have to embed some level of CX know-how in the folks around you. So we designed the intro to CX course to help explain what CX is, why it matters, and and frankly, how to bring it to life in your own job. Um, And I think that helps companies with their CX ambitions because five people out of 500 or a thousand or 10,000, you know, that it, that's a hard nut to crack if, if you expect all the CX know how to reside only in those five people. So, yeah, it makes sense. And then, if people are looking at um, if you are a CX practitioner or you're, you're looking after CX in an organization or you're aspiring to look after CX in an organization, we have the longer form course, which is our CX management fundamentals course as well, Daniel. Yeah, that's the one for, the, as you said earlier, Justin, for folks who specifically want international certification, which I support, because it's one thing to say you're a CX expert. It's another thing to say, I have my CCXP. I mean, in this day and age, anyone can say I'm an expert, you know, and, and as you alluded to earlier. But, you know, I tend to look for who has taken the action. What have you done? I mean, uh, that kind of thing. So I like the CCXP because, as, as you know, there's about 1,000, 1,100 last time I checked, folks around the world. It's not a, a very easy exam to pass. But when you do, it demonstrates that you have a certain level of know-how. Now, implementation skills, execution skills, leadership skills, that's a whole different ball of wax. But you got to have the know-how. And Justin, that leads me to probably one of the things you and I talk about quite often is we sometimes have to wake up, look in a mirror and say, we're an industry of amateurs. Mm. Whether you're in CX or whether you're in contact center, we're an industry of amateurs. Simply meaning people don't go to school for this kind of stuff. Many of us just end up in this job by accident. And I know my background, I ran large contact centers in the U.S. and then in Asia. I didn't know 5% of the stuff that I teach now. So after I went out and set up my own company, the first thing I did is make sure I could move from this amateur status to this understanding and and having know-how around the material status. And I, I think that's what's sometimes missing in our industry. You see it on LinkedIn. People are still arguing about NPS. Uh, but over here, you have a client that's been using NPS for 10 years, 
and is achieving phenomenal results. They've built their whole program around improving things, and yet they're not the ones posting on LinkedIn. They're not going to say, oh, we've been using it for... No, no, but you're going to see everyone else like, oh, don't believe in NPS, do believe in NPS. By the way, I'm just using NPS as an example because it tends to raise the hair on the back of people's necks <laughs> for some reason. But you could pick any of 100 different topics in CX, and someone out there is this is the right way, this is the wrong way. But I think the good news is there are real companies out there with real leadership that are implementing and doing these things. And they can now look back and say, over the last three years, here's what we've done. Over the last five years, what we've done. And then when you go to the contact center industry, over the last 15 years of what we've done. So these contact centers, when they look at all these arguments about what metrics do you measure agents on in 2021, they're laughing because they're like, we sorted this all out in 2005. So, you know, I, I think we have to move from this opinion and arguing with everybody section to the, can we just all get on the same bus, put that bus in the direction and get this thing going? So the action, that word just keeps popping out over and over. Uh, it does indeed. Taking action is what it is all about. So if you are interested in uh, in checking out any of those courses, you'll just find them on the CX Skills website. Uh, it is that way, can't point. Uh, so just cxskills.com.au and you'll find everything, all the upcoming courses uh, there. Uh, now, Daniel, before we, uh, we, we let you go, um, I do just want to um, give you a bit of a, a free range if you like because, uh, you know, this is always done with danger here. Warning, warning. Brr, brr. Um, but, Daniel, <laughs> you, you are, and I know you're very humble about this, but I think you're literally one of 15, I think it is now, recognised training providers in the world for the C CXPA. So you're, you're literally one of the handful of people in the world and – and I know you're very passionate about CX and your knowledge is incredible. Anyone who's done any of your courses just goes on about the stories and the, the fun that we have on your, your courses. But I, I sort of want to know from, from you, how do you, how do you go about when you get into the resistance in those organisations because we know that they exist and you get in there and people just don't care about CX and they, they pay at lip service. Oh, yeah, that's really important. We want to do that. But their actions say something different. What advice would you give to people that are in that situation because we know both in the call centre and in CX, we know that people care and they just want to make a difference and it's really hard for them sometimes when they're in those organisations that you feel like you're, you know, proverbial head-hitting brick wall every day. Have you got some advice that you would just give those people? I'm going to give you the advice that has worked for me and that I know some other people I admire would give the same advice. The first off is you got to put aside the morality play arguments. Those aren't going to take you very far. you got to be able to speak in the language of business, and that's numbers. You have to be able to sit down. Is it perfect? No, but sometimes we don't need perfection, and you need to be able to quantify what this means. What is it going to mean to this metric, to that metric, to that metric, to that metric, to that metric? That has to be done. If you're not good at that yourself, it doesn't mean you can't lead a CX team, but make sure you have somebody on your team that is good at that. And my simple example of that is when I got into the contact center industry, I was in finance. I came up with cost per order, cost per call, cost per customer service, cost per shipment. And before the VP of operations would go have the meeting with the board, we would sit in the office and I would teach her how to read the numbers and how to say what needed to be said. Because I wasn't invited to those meetings. She had to present. Yep. Yep. And that was something we did every month. And she would come back and say, it worked, it worked, or it didn't work, or they were upset, but they were usually upset by some kind of number, not 
because she wasn't able to explain it. Mm -hmm. So um, I honestly think that ability to quantify things, to say if we do more of the things people like and less of the things they don't, here's how it plays out to us in terms of all sorts of measurements. Some of those measurements are from the customer, some are from employees, some are from departments. Justin, that's my biggest piece of advice. You just simply can't skip that step and you can't, I see still too much, less now, thank goodness, but the morality plays tough. You have to do this because it's spiritually the right thing to do. Well, you know, <laughs> please don't please don't advise me on my spirituality. I, I have other sources for that. You yeah, know, yeah. I I work in a company. I need to know how to, to get better results. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, numbers talk, and uh, and there are a plethora of numbers in both CX and contact centers, and I, and I completely agree with you. And it's the same advice that I would. Uh, we give, give people, once you start speaking the language that your CEOs and your C-suite are talking in, then, then you've got a voice. Uh, and until then, you're going to really struggle. So some fantastic advice, as per usual, Daniel. Um, so if people do want to learn more about your courses, <laughs> well, I believe it. I truly, I truly believe it. So uh, if people do want to learn more, of course, cxskills.com.au. And if you want lots of articles and stuff on of course, all things CX and contact centers, then just keep having a look at cxcentral.com.au. We are one of the only places in the world that publish articles just to help you. We're not trying to sell you anything. It is just free advice written by industry experts just trying to share their expertise. So make sure you go and check out some of those articles there. Daniel, thanks so much for listening. And I'm sure we will talk. It's early. What are we? We're recording this in April. We're going to date this. We're recording it in April 2021. So I'm sure we will be talking again in a mere couple of months on another podcast. So thanks for everyone for listening in. Daniel, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Justin.